0: Welcome to another edition of the MSU Work Life Podcast. I'm here with Erica Venton, Marketing Manager for the Office of the Provost Communications Team. Erica, welcome to the Work Life Podcast.
1: Hi, John. It's so good to be here.
0: I know you come into this office a lot. Most of my guests are, it's their first time here, but you're sitting down and you're here every week, at least once or twice. Um you help us with the work life office but what are some of the other offices through the provost's a communication team that you work with
1: Yeah so we work with the Office of Inclusion and Intercultural Initiatives the Academic I3 oh, I3
0: three.
1: I three. Yeah the Academic Advancement Network, the Hub for Innovation in Learning and Technology, the Graduate School, and APUE, the Associate Provost for Undergraduate Education. It's
0: a lot of different entities. How big is your team?
1: Our team is at three right now, and we are expanding.
0: Three individuals to do all that work. I think that you're the perfect person to talk to us today about efficient work and juggling a lot of tasks and responsibilities. Can you tell us about how this all started? How did you come across this book, which is called Make Time.
1: So this was a huge privilege. I did actually meet the author um, in person at a workshop here on campus in the Hub for Innovation and Learning and Technology. In the
0: Hub, for listeners that don't know, it's in Wells Hall, correct?
1: Yes, it's in Wells Hall. We have a big um, flex area that can host small groups all the way up to large groups. Um, The furniture in that space is flexible slash movable, and there's dry erase boards that can make walls, and we open it up.
0: (laughs) Can't do that with my office here in Linton Hall. There's some pretty uh, sturdy brick walls. Before you and I started this podcast conversation, you threw out the phrase inbox zero. That's something I'm very fond of is inbox zero, because I like to respond to my emails very quickly uh, and get, you know, get through my emails first thing in the day, last thing in the day. But you have this uh, quote, this line in your blog post on the Work Life website. No one ever became great by being the fastest at email. Uh, Tell me a little bit about that quote and what it means to you.
1: Okay, John, you are great because you are really quick at responding to email. Oh,
0: thanks so much. Um,
1: the quote actually came from the author, John Zaratsky, during the workshop. He said this and I wrote it down word for word because it was something that really hit me that you could actually spend your whole day just responding to email without getting to any of the bigger projects or tasks that you had on your plate. And so this was something I had noticed happening in my own life. I would write a list of things to do that day. And the list might be six, seven things. And I would get two of them done. And I would leave that day feeling like, oh, what did I do today? And the reality was that I was spending a lot of time replying to people's emails and handling these quick turn requests that were coming in. In reading the material, was able to transition over to like looking at the way I did email differently and having conversations with people that, hey, listen, I'm in a choose to focus on some of these bigger project things. I'm still going to check my email, but it might take me a couple of hours or maybe the next day to respond. And what that did is shift me over from being anxious and super responsive to feeling more like I was in control of the work that I was doing. I was still doing things that people were requesting, but I was choosing the things that were going to happen during that day and being able to get through some work while also still being responsive to email just in a different time frame.
0: Yeah, you bring up control because if you let your email inbox control what you do, then you have no control over what your work is. And, you know, you let other people your job description and your boss should have some sort of influence over what you do. But if you just respond to every email, you're letting anyone that wants to email you control what you do during your day as opposed to yourself controlling that. Is that right?
1: That also flows into your calendar, too. So if you take every incoming meeting request Um, Then your calendar fills up in these weird spotty ways, and you could be more intentional about the way you block your calendar, too. So there's just some different ways to think about. The other thing with email is that when you're quick replying, you're volleying, right? So instead of a slow volley game, you've turned this into a quick volley. So then you send it back to someone, and now that person feels the need to respond quickly to you, and you're quick volleying this whole situation back and forth in a day when maybe it didn't need to happen that quickly, or maybe... If you pause, then you have more time to consider the things that maybe you would respond back with and get those taken care of in fewer messages.
0: It sets norms and an example for other people that you're working with. If you always respond to email quickly, there's no policy or procedure manual that lays out exactly how fast we have to respond to email. We've just invented it in our head that it's necessary to reply immediately. It kind of came out of nowhere. Can you touch a little bit about this idea of questioning our defaults?
1: Yeah. So in the book, The Power of Habit, they talk about how habits are formed and created and how you run through those habit loops every day. Um, My favorite example is driving to work because how many times have you gotten to your same parking spot at work? Some of us have a harder time parking than others, but uh, depending on the time, I tend to end up in about the same parking spot every day. And I think, I don't even remember if I saw a blue car on the way in. Like, I, I don't remember passing things because your brain goes into this habit loop. Um, and, and that happens throughout your day often. Um, you're doing things that are just on a habit. And so, where are, like, starting to look at what are those habits? Um, one place that's also easy to see habits is that every time you pick up your phone, um, you're going to the, a similar app or a similar place in your phone every single time. So, you could pick up your phone to make a phone call, but instead of ending up in the phone call section, you find yourself on social media. So if you can start thinking about what are the things that I do automatically during a day? Do I come in every morning and get a cup of coffee and sit down and spend 45 minutes checking my email? Is that the most effective part of your day? I'm a morning person. And I used to fight this, like, what are you doing awake at 4.30 in the morning, right? This is terrible. You should be sleeping. I was guilt tripping myself to the moon about how I should be sleeping at 4.30 in the morning. But what I realized was that if I, instead of feeling guilty about 4.30 in the morning, just said, you know what? I'm actually really effective between 4.30 and 7 in the morning, so let's use this for things that are going to move myself forward with the goals that I had for my life. And so this book gave me the opportunity to say, no, it's okay to be a morning person, and here's how you use your morning to be the most effective. So for me, checking email first thing in the morning actually slows my progress. I tend to do that a little bit later in the day where I can focus on a lot of high-priority things first thing in the morning, then I feel really accomplished. I got a lot done. Then I check my email, and now I can reply back to people, and I can kind of move on with my day from there.
0: You talk about working in the morning uh, before you even get into the office. Isn't that a bad thing?
1: So I I think this is something that everyone has to take consideration for for themselves. I think it's just up to your supervisor and you to have a discussion. On Fridays when my bus my kids ride the bus home from school and they're home at 3 in the afternoon, I leave at 2.30 and I don't feel bad because I know there are so many other days that I was working early, early in the morning to get all the work done. And as long as the work is done, then the time is good.
0: You mentioned... Uh, some stretching and some uh, exercises that you get into in the morning. And I'm wondering how you fit that into a morning as we all scramble to wash our hair and get it dry and get our tie tied and all that stuff. What are you doing in the morning to carve out time for your self care?
1: So I have three small children. So I pretty much leave myself in my own room. um, Because if you start walking around the house at five in the morning, then little people wake up at five in the morning. And that's too early for little people um so pets
0: pets also yeah pets they want to be fed
1: (laughs) so i pretty much stay in my room so i lay yoga mat out on the floor next to my bed and i will do i call them the five minute minis so i will get up in the morning and i will do push-ups squats and planks let me tell you those planks are so good for you um they burn like just build all these core muscles and it's not hard it really does take five minutes but then i feel like check like this thing was accomplished it's the same thing with making your bed like it takes like what two minutes to make your bed i mean it depends on how fancy you get with it you know but then you feel like done like look at now you're stacking up accomplishments in the morning
0: exercises in the morning set your day off right Whereas sometimes we might wait to exercise after work.
1: So if you can list out what are the things you want to accomplish, maybe you have a series of goals you're trying to work towards. Maybe you want maybe you want to do the couch to 5K thing. Maybe you're trying to write a book or maybe you're trying to become really good at crocheting. Whatever it is for you, you're going to have to have time for that in your life. You've got little kids, you wanna be able to spend time with your kids or go see your grandkids. You've got to build the time into your life to do those things and so you also have to look at what are the things in your life that are using time that are not moving you forward in the things that are your priority. So for me that was, um, I would wake up at 4.30 in the morning and I would play on social media for an hour and I would get, and then I would be tired and it wasn't adding to my life. So what I had to do at first, was put my phone in the living room so that it wasn't in my room and I wasn't automatically reaching for it to do it. So then when I woke up, it was like, well, so then I read a book for 15 minutes and then I would do this five minute mini workout and then I could take a shower or I could choose to get started on some of the other, maybe the work priorities that I had for the day. But it was about choosing what was important to me instead of doing what was just happening in my life.
0: Are you able to work with colleagues on these types of things, prioritize Prioritizing your day, stack ranking your life, and choosing your highlights for the work day.
1: So I think in some cases you've got to work with your team when it comes to prioritizing, especially with um, a department like ours where we're handling so many things that it's really important to be um, in communication with your colleagues about the work that's happening and making sure that you can meet deadlines. And, being, and leading by example. So I choose to be the most genuine person that I can be and to have these conversations, but also realize I'm not in other people's shoes. And so I don't necessarily fully understand their life or their workload. And so if someone needs to be on their computer and is slightly distracted in or having a conversation or a meeting, but they're also checking their email real quick or they're replying to something that maybe isn't the most Effective way to do things, but it's also not my life, and so I have to be. This is how I'm going to handle myself in this situation, and and let them let people be who they're going to be because you you just don't know what other people are dealing with.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to circle back to the the email um, topic that we started off with because uh, you know I wanted to talk about that in a tough sort of way because you know uh, you can set up your email response time to be 24 or 48 hours, but the other the other person, the recipient, might still immediately respond to that email. But you have to be really self-aware that you're going to handle your business, you're going to try this approach, and it doesn't necessarily matter what other people are doing if you're really focused on self-care. So I just wanted to get the our listeners to think about that, that this stuff isn't as easy at first.
1: So... Really, the email thing is hard, yeah, because when you go in there and you reply, and then yes, people will reply back quickly, or maybe there's a couple of quick things to do. Like I have to be really cautious about the time that I'm in there because it it really can you you can easily fall back into your old habits. And so you have to be really mindful. Um, the book talks about this, um, it's a tool. It's called the time timer. It's an analog timer that you set and it changes. Um, You turn it to like 35 minutes and there's a color block at 35 minutes and that color block gets smaller and smaller and smaller until you're at zero. I bought this thing for my house to help get my kids out of the house. But it's also really helpful when you say, I need to do some focused work. So I'm I'm gonna give myself an hour of this and then I'm gonna stand up and walk for two minutes around the block or whatever. And then I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna do some more focused work. Um, because you do need those pauses, those like physical breaks in your day where you can give your, like, give your mind a rest and do something that's slightly active. Um, so that's important too.
0: I wanted to also talk about this idea of logging out and shutting down your inbox and closing all your browser windows. I've worked with folks that that will induce a significant amount of anxiety for them. I've seen coworkers with 50 browser tabs open, and they stay open and they leave their computer on all you know, 24-7, 365. How can you... Did you have trouble getting to this point? And how do you overcome that threshold of, okay, I just have to close my browser window right now?
1: Oh, John, this is by far the thing that I struggle with the most, because I feel I have a Mac, so you really can just shut the thing and go home and pick it up two hours later, and it's right—it's ready for you, just as you left it. Um, so that is it's a really incredible tool, but also things are always open, and it was really stressful the thing would ask for updates and i was like i can't update you because then i have to close these 50 tabs that are open i did find a little tool his name is session buddy he goes in chrome he's a plugin for chrome okay called session buddy and you go in there and then you can set a series of tabs to say this is all the tabs for this particular project and it saves them as a group so then you can shut down all of your tabs and go back in the next day and say, hey, session buddy, I want to go back to this project. And it opens those series of tabs for that project. So that has been uh, a phenomenal change in my life. But I still struggle with leaving the things open. It's, it's, this is still a learning curve. I'm still working on it.
0: That's a good point for the listeners to hear that this is not something that can be immediately changed. This is an ongoing process. You know, it's not super structured. There's a lot of flexibility and leeway in this approach. Tell us, uh, tell the listeners how you are utilizing the book and how it's flexible and adaptable to your lifestyle.
1: Yeah, so the book is called Make Time, and it is set up in this really cool way where it just asks you to basically experiment with your life. There's co-authors, John Zaratsky and Jake Knapp, and they both have slightly different um, backgrounds and family structures. And so it talks about how each of them tackled. So some things work for both of them. And so they said, this is how we really liked it. This is what we tried. And other things were like, oh no, I don't, I couldn't do it that way. This is the way I was able to do it. There is no one right answer to this. It's your life. You get to experiment with it. You get to try the things. You question your defaults. You set your priorities. You play with things. You might find five or six things that work really great. And then in a month, you're like, oh, I need to change. This thing doesn't work anymore, but maybe I could add these couple of other things in. You get a chance to change things on a regular basis. The big thing is being aware of what you're doing and why you're doing it and what your priorities are so that you can live the life that you really want to live.
0: Yeah, awareness and willingness to change and adapt. One of the habits that
1: I was in was checking email on my phone and replying to um, instant messages on my phone while I was walking. But what I was missing was the environment around me. What I was missing was that chance to just shut, like, it's a walk. Just shut your brain off. Um, The other thing is um, letting yourself be done at a certain time to say, at this time, like I'm, I'm done and I'm just going to close it and I'm going to be done for now. And um, whether that's your drive home and you're going to change your mindset and think of something else on your way home so that you can be present in the situations you're in. Um, You need to be with the people in the meetings that you're in the meetings with. And then you need to be with the people in your friends, your family, your home life in the way that is most honoring to those situations. And that if you're pulling all of the stuff from work and all of the, the other worries through every part of your day, the work is the work. And next year, there's going to be more work. And the year after that is going to be more work. And the work is important, but it's not the only thing about you. And there are a lot of people and experiences that you're going to have in your own life that are going to help shape who you are and that you in turn can also have an impact back out on. And so being really um, honoring and genuine to the people in your life and to realize that the connections with other people are sometimes more important than the work because the work is always going to be there.
0: Is there anything else you wanted to mention about the book that we haven't covered so far or anything in the future that you'll be doing around this topic?
1: Uh, no, just that we're going to continue to look into new things um, as we go about. I, We, our team, uh, your office, we're going to continue to try to bring different and innovative things to you, that, you can, that help you in the way that you're managing your own work and personal life. Yeah. Because it's important to really look at that as a balance and um, how you fit the two together.
0: Yep, always evolving, always adapting, and always, you know, have your eyes up and your ears open so that you can hear from others and interact with others here at Michigan State. So, Erica, again, I appreciate you coming in and sitting down with us for another edition of the MSU Work Life Podcast. We will talk to you next time.